You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hope you're ready to die. Just as soon as I get up there, gonna kill you. Oh, poor little guy's really having trouble with those stairs. You've got this, Badgie! Wait, what am I doing? So here we go, episode six of Star Trek Lower Decks. We have Terminal Provocations and, uh, yeah, we're into the back half of the Lower Decks first season, starting in on the second half here. So with me, of course, to discuss the episode as usual, I should say I'm Dan Gunther, and with me is Bruce Gibson. Bruce, how's it going today? I'm the back half of this podcast. This is really great. I'm doing great today. <laughs> well, actually, I would say you're the middle third of this podcast because we have another guest joining us this week, someone I really enjoy speaking with every week on the live show on my YouTube channel, but we've got her here for the podcast this week. So Brandy Jackala, welcome to Positively Trek. Oh, thank you. It's been a long time coming, you guys. <laughs> but I finally <laughs> made it. Yeah. Looks like we made it. Sorry. Oh, Left wow. each other all the way for another love. <laughs> yeah, I know that song, Barry Manilow. Mm -hmm. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I don't remember uh, having singing on the show before. That's pretty good. Well, I was going to bust yeah. out Reunited and it feels so good. Reunited and we understood. There's one perfect fit in sugar. This one is it. Okay, anyway, sorry. <laughs> I love it. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> I really hope they come out with Star Trek the Musical because that would be an interesting show to discuss with Brandy. <laughs> oh man, if they do a musical short treks, we are booking Brandy for that immediately. Please Absolutely. do. Please do. I will learn all of the songs. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, 
In this week's episode, that makes for an interesting segue because we have at the start of the show crew members who aren't singing, but they are making noises. So this whole uh, cold open, we have the return of the cold open this week, which is fun. Last week, we didn't have one. It just went straight into the credits. But this week, we have this scene with uh, Boimler and Tendi and Rutherford and Mariner and this other character, Fletcher, and they're all making the various engine noises for the Cerritos and the Enterprise D at Warp 4 and Voyager. And uh, yeah, I, I love this scene. So this cold open, I absolutely love this. I agree. I love that. Uh, I love the subtitles of this, which I don't know if you if either of you have had the chance to watch it with subtitles on. But the subtitles are very impressive because Mariner sound is and it's actually articulated <laughs> with letters as, you know, the F and then a bunch of Z's. <laughs> just... I did watch it that way. I saw those. Yeah. And I even like how Tendi uh, jumps in and goes, oh, are we making ship sounds? <laughs> <laughs> Hers was more. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, the, the, and Voyager is like. <laughs> <laughs> I like that too because it makes sense that Voyager would be famous at this point as well because she's just gotten back like a couple years earlier from this, you know, being thrown to the other side of the galaxy thing. So I, I, I like that little inclusion. That was a nice little nod. Yes, I appreciated that as well because far too often Voyager is the redheaded stepchild of the next gen error. Error? <laughs> Era. So yeah, I love the Voyager love. It makes me happy. Uh, so yeah, we've got, like we said, this cold open and then, uh, yeah, let's jump right into the main story. We've got kind of, again, just like before the three basic levels going on, we have what's going on with the senior staff, the command crew. We've got Mariner and Boimler paired up again, and then Rutherford and Tendi paired up for their story again. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about what's going on in the broader world of the Cerritos with the command staff and these aliens, the Drakmani, that apparently Cerritos is facing off against. There's a bunch of old Starfleet, centuries-old salvage laying around that the Drakmani are trying to take for themselves, and Captain Freeman and the Cerritos are trying to prevent them from that because, oh, this is Starfleet stuff, you can't take it. And we get like a literal tug of war with a tractor beam at one point, which I, I wanted more to come of that. I thought something really crazy would happen there. Yeah, I like seeing all the sal salvage stuff with the old Starfleet type ships and parts and things, you know, have that little geek out moment like, ooh, look. I recognize that, you know, a little freighter and all that stuff. But uh, I like the idea that the fact that they don't have any weapons, this alien race doesn't have the weapons, and so they have to use that. They have to use that tractor beam in order to hurl things at the Cerritos. And the Cerritos is just taking it, and the shields are getting down, and Jax is like, let me fire on please, please, let me fire on them. It's, I've been a good boy for the past month. Come on, let me fire at them. <laughs> In other words, he hasn't instigated a conflict with weapons in the last month, so, you know. It almost sounds like something Worf would say, too. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does a bit. I'm definitely getting that. I'm seeing Shax as like a Worf uh, surrogate in this, for sure. Yeah. yeah, except I think he's a little more cuddly. <laughs> cuddly. I like that. I haven't heard Shax referred to as cuddly. I like that. 
I think he's cuddly. He's just he's just big and he's got a huge personality, but I think underneath it all, he just wants hugs. And I think that uh, he expresses himself in that regard at the end of the episode. <laughs> well, I love also that his security team, he calls them the bear pack as well. And they're the bears, right? So <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know how deep to read into that. But, you know, bears are cuddly, right? I mean, that's how they're portrayed in popular culture. So, you know, the only bear to cuddle with is one of those Geordie teddy bears. That's the kind of bear you want to cuddle with. Speaking of shacks, <laughs> there, there's one other thing with shacks that I wanted to talk about. And I think, Brandy, you were briefly alluding to this and we, we kind of skipped past oh, it. Yes. But at the very end of the episode, when everything is solved and we'll get to how that happens through one of the other plots in the story. Uh, there's a moment. There is a moment between Shax and Dr. Ta'ana. Brandy, why don't you talk a little bit about this? Because I, I feel like you have things to say about this. I Yeah, it's one of those feelings of, yay, we won. I don't know what we did, but we did it. And Shax is just so excited and full of energy. And he just grabs that cat and plants one on her. And she does not resist. She she puts nope. her arms around him, so she was into it. I know this is a musical episode for this podcast, so I just cut the song Love Shacks in my mind right now. <laughs> love Shacks, baby, love Shacks. That was my prop for you, Brandy. I knew you would sing it for me. <laughs> of course. Now I'm going to rewrite that entire song for Shacks. Oh, please do. Oh, I love it. Uh, but yeah, Dr. Ta'ana, like you said, she is into it. She doesn't like, I was totally expecting like the rear back and swipe at his face and like the cat hiss or something like that. But nope, she's, yeah, she's into that. I'm wondering, is this like the first time for something like this? Or is there a history there that we don't know about? Because mm. we don't know what's going on with the senior staff, right? We don't follow them. So maybe this has been an on again, off again thing for months for all we know. You need to go in his quarters, in the shack's quarters, and see if he has a guest litter box in there. And then you would know. <laughs> I don't think a bipedal cat needs a litter box, but okay. I could just see, like, you know, somebody walking post. down the corridor and shack's quarters doors opens and a little ball with a bell in it rolls out. <laughs> just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep the cat jokes coming, but she is a sentient, uh, sapient, bipedal cat who does not need the trappings that we give to our domesticated felines. Nah, I don't know. I, I still feel like she plays with a good uh, ball with the bell in it, bats it around the quarters a bit, I, I think. Yeah. Or at least has like a string with a little feather hanging above her bed. <laughs> <laughs> when Lakuta shows up and he's got that red beam coming, she's chasing the red beam <laughs> dot on the wall. <laughs> I, I think if I think if anything, when, when you're a cat, if you don't maintain that fur, it's going to get burrs in it. And burrs can be very painful to get out. It takes a lot of work to get a burr out. And I'm speaking from experience. And uh, I feel like, you know, Ta'ana isn't going to be able to brush her own back. And so maybe that's how her relationship with Shaq started, is that she's just like, you know, I got some fur that I really need. Can you just brush this, please? <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe she feels like she can be her true self with him. E even after that kiss, you know, she's still just kind of standing there with her arms around him and they're looking at each other. She's not trying to get away. So I can't believe we've gone on about this topic for a while. Cause I totally forgot about that scene until you guys mentioned it. I was like, 
Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. See, I want like the tie-in novel that shows the backstory of the Shacks to Honor relationship. Like that's where I'm at with this. Like I am so there. Yeah, actually, I don't know that you're going to get a, a whole big novel out of that. Definitely a comic series, maybe a limited four-issue run. Oh, no, I want like a three-novel trilogy series, like an <laughs> epic Imzadi-type trilogy, you know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, you know what? Honestly, they probably could do that. So the alien race that we've got facing off against them as well, the Drukmani. Now, when I first watched this, I have to say... I was like, oh, man, that guy really sounds like J.G. Hertzler. Like, they did a really good job kind of making him sound like J.G. Hertzler. That's awesome. No, it's J.G. Hertzler. We get General Martok as the alien captain, who I will note also has an eye patch and is missing an eye like Martok. So gorgeous little uh, uh, homage there, I think. Honestly, after the guest stars that they've had doing voices, I absolutely believed immediately that it was J.G. Hertzler. I'm like, of course they're going to get J.G. Hertzler. <laughs> if they want someone to sound like J.G. Hertzler, they're going to get J.G. Hertzler. They can do that. Yeah, it was such a treat to have him in this episode. I think that was great. It's just a nice little nod to his previous characters as well, for sure. Uh, so the second story that we've got going on here, which I think is the A plot, I would say, is this whole thing with Ensign Fletcher and Fletcher kind of dealing with Mariner and Boimler. And he's this Ensign who's working with them on diagnosing or, or reprogramming the isolinear cores or whatever it is they're doing. But Mariner and Boimler want to get to the Choo Choo concert. They're so gung-ho over getting to this concert that uh, Fletcher's like, oh, don't worry, I'll cover this. I got this. Don't worry, you guys go have fun. So they go to the concert, they come back, and Fletcher is unconscious, telling them a story of how he was phasered and somebody stole the isolinear core. And uh, that leads to all sorts of shenanigans in which, uh, you know, spoiler alert, uh, but not really a spoiler because it's pretty telegraphed. Fletcher's not exactly on the up and up and he's kind of an idiot and apparently has set all of this in motion by trying to plug the isolinear uh, core into his brain to make himself smarter so that he could work faster. Uh, yeah. So what did people think of this story and this character? I couldn't stand him. <laughs> I didn't here. like him. <laughs> he was so annoying. I mean, I enjoyed the story, but I'll tell you why I enjoyed the story. Because Boimler and Mariner were getting along and not picking on each other. That's what I liked about it. They teamed up together. So that was nice. But we had to have a character like Fletcher in order to tell that kind of story with having these two characters relate to each other. But yeah, he was so annoying. I just kept thinking, if I ever worked with someone like this, I, I don't know what I would do. And I, in some ways, I have worked with some people kind of like that, you know. But I will say I'm very, very, very satisfied with how it all ended with him. Very satisfied. Brandy, I feel like you have thoughts. Um, I have worked with at least one Fletcher in my time, and it is a nightmare to deal with people like that to the point that last night after doing the Unready Room, I dreamed about one of the Fletchers for a good <laughs> oh, no. chunk of the night. Wow. And it oh. was, again, this whole thing where I'm like, but this person did this. And everyone was just brushing it off. And But yeah, it's uh, I've, I've worked with a Fletcher before. And so I, 
I, I actually, you know, the more I talk about it and the more that I've seen it, I, I like kind of the way that they leaned in to how Fletcher is a complete moron, but he gets by on his charm. Yeah, I still feel like there was some connective tissue missing between seeing both of those traits. Like it's, oh, he's all suave and cool. And I mean, it's just, it's like night and day, but that's that's what happens when you have someone who's probably almost in that sociopathic range where they can put up a great front, but eventually that will crumble and you will see the real person underneath. So I think they went to extremes and I think that that's what Lower Deck does is they tend to go to extremes and that's that's fine. It just isn't my favorite thing to have that kind of character because and I think it is because it makes me so uncomfortable with the experiences that I've personally had that I don't like being reminded of. Yeah, I'm glad he's not a reoccurring character. I mean, if he was, then I'd want them to develop him out of that eventually. Like, he's learned his lessons and he's matured and grown up. But I mean, there were parts that I thought that were kind of funny when they went after the Delta shift and he's, you know, where's the core? And he's effing this and then, you know, don't talk about my dad. You know, I was laughing at things like that. But I will say I was annoyed at the end slightly that he gets promoted. And I'm like, really? Really? Harry Kim never got promoted in seven years and this guy gets to be a lieutenant? Really? Really? And going to the Titan? Uh. Yeah, well, I'm. I, are you really surprised, though, with how it turned out? Because <laughs> No, I love how it turned out. Yes. Yeah, mm. that's the thing. Mariner knew exactly what she was doing. She took a page from Mom out of that rule book and and but he actually wanted to be promoted he just didn't have the skills to back it up so in in a way he's an inverse mariner i know people have compared him to barkley but i i think he's more of an inverse mariner Mm. mariner is very good at what she does and she breaks stupid rules that shouldn't be there so that she can do her job better whereas uh, fletcher has no idea how to do his job and he's very charismatic so people like him and mariner's very abrasive because she doesn't you know give you lip service i guess is the word yeah i i think uh the way it all ended up the way i think about it is you know on the cerritos they're not really good enough to figure out that this ensign is you know really trouble and and you know that he doesn't deserve to be there but sending him to the titan those people are professionals and six days later he's out on his butt because they know what makes a good officer and brandy as you pointed out in the live chat last night to deanna probably had him figured like within 10 minutes like oh yeah this guy's yeah awful oh yeah and she wouldn't have even needed her empathic abilities for that nope not at all but yeah i i wasn't the biggest fan of this story and i think for me like you brandy it was that disconnect between the fletcher we see at the beginning and the fletcher we see at the end i kind of get what they're saying about like yeah he's good with people he's suave he has good people skills but on the flip side, he's a total idiot and can't do his job and, and has skated by on that. I feel like there's a missing piece in the middle that kind of connected those two together that maybe is on the cutting room floor somewhere or something like that. Because it, it just felt so abrupt, like when he's sobbing and telling them that he plugged the isolinear core into his brain to make himself smarter 
And uh, I'm right there with Boimler. I'm like, wait, what? Like, what is happening with this story? I, I just w- it was so confused as to, like, how did we get here from there? This, this is totally ridiculous. To your point, Bruce, what it does for Mariner and Boimler, that's what I'm taking out of this story as the part that I really like is, you know, they're working well together. Mariner isn't insulting Boimler. And they're appreciating each other on this new level that we haven't seen really before, where like they even outright say like, oh, you're actually pretty cool. And, you know, oh, you're Starfleet as hell. And this is great. And all this stuff. I I really like what it's doing for their friendship at this point. I even like the choo-choo dance, them getting all excited about it. (laughs) And Boyle's like, yeah, I need shirts. And they're getting all. And of course, I'm thinking in my mind, oh, wow, we're going to see choo-choo shirts at stlv or whatever star trek convention and there's going to be a choo-choo dance going through the lobbies and what what have you i mean you know that's going to happen i totally thought that the uh titmouse is doing the uh the t-shirt every week for each episode i totally thought this week's would be the choo-choo shirt it's it's actually badgy who we're going to talk about next but uh yeah i would have loved to see the choo-choo shirt i think i saw somebody already selling some online probably <laughs> not uh not sanctioned by CBS. I could be wrong about that, but I'm sure I've seen an ad pop up somewhere for them already. (laughs) Do you know who would really want a choo-choo shirt? It would be Charo. She would wear the heck out of that thing and Charo (laughs) would be going, going, choo-choo-choo-choo-choo-choo-choo-choo. I'm going to get her a shirt. I'm just going to mail it to her. I think you should. Absolutely. And have her film the unboxing. (laughs) Oh, that'd be great. Well, let's, uh, let's pop over to the other story that's going on in this episode and I'm cards on the table. I loved this story. This was my favorite of this episode for sure. And we've got, you know, Rutherford and Tendi paired up again. Uh, and this time Tendi is worried that she'll have to spacewalk, but she never finished her spacewalk course at the Academy. Uh, so Rutherford's going to help her through this program that he's written with this Starfleet helper dude called Badgie, which obviously, of course, for all of us who lived through the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, we know about Clippy, right? The the little 80s is too early. It was the 90s and 2000s, but Clippy, the little Microsoft Word helper guy. Uh, I loved this character. I thought this was just the perfect, most natural evolution of the holodeck gone awry story. Uh, yeah, I appreciated it. And it wasn't until after I watched it the first time that it dawned on me, oh, this is a holodeck malfunctioning thing. This this is usually so tropey, and yet it didn't occur to me while I was watching it, because mm. it was different enough that it was something we'd never seen in the holodeck, really. Because, uh, yeah, basically, Badgie gains gains sentience, um, and he's he's being affected. He's being affected by like the gravity parameters in the simulation, which should not be happening. Which does lean itself towards uh, he accidentally became sentient. So, well, not in a Moriarty type way, because Moriarty wasn't you know skinning people alive. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like this story, too. This is my favorite storyline of the episode. Also, the thing that made me laugh the most is every time he was like he was asked a question and he goes to load it and it takes like a little while. You see the line like creeping, you know, I'm just like, oh, man, you do not probably have that 
in the 24th century of waiting for a reply from a computer as it loads. And then when it gets stuck and he's banging on Badgie, <laughs> that was funny to me. Yeah, well, but there have been delays in a computer's response before, but usually when you tell the computer to, you ask the computer to do something and it's going to take a minute, it will go searching. And then it's silent for a few seconds and then it gives you the information that you needed. You just don't see that loading bar. And I I loved the second time that it happens when Tindy goes, oh, look, look at him try. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I thought of, too, of course, was Spock asking the computer to calculate pi to the final digit. And of course, the computer has uh, Jack the Ripper in it. So it's like, no, no, no. Ah! But uh, yeah, not quite to that level here. But still, uh, yeah, that's the closest I could think of to the the length of time that this loading took. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was just so many things. I mean, it was violent. I mean, we had blood in this and he's pulling people's arms out. I like how they switched then to the Bajoran marketplace and they put on, you know, the little hood, you know, put the hoods over them and stuff. And he's going around, you know, I'm going to wear your skin. Bye, 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 bye. You know, he's just making <laughs> these little noises and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even know if I want to watch this. This is terrifying. I mean, I can understand, you know, Brandy having nightmares about Fletcher, but really, come on, Badgie's just as scary. <laughs> but in a different I can totally way. see like Rutherford or Tendy having Badgie nightmares after this, and mm, yeah, especially Rutherford because it was his creation. Yeah, absolutely. And and Brandy, you made an interesting point last night comparing this to Frankenstein, the novel Frankenstein, I should say. Yes, you don't really get that in the film because the film just makes him a dumb monster and yeah, he's in the book, he is articulate and can communicate and has thoughts and feelings and etc. Reasoning, all of that. So yeah, it's very much like the ending of Frankenstein when they're trying to kill each other. And in this case, you know, the creature doesn't win ish. Or does he? <laughs> anyway. He's always here. I'm always here. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, it, it was, and Dave was the first person to actually point that out. Cause I'm like, this is a little bit. And then Dave said, this is Frankenstein. This is the end of Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I I love that they uh, they got a little hoity-toity with that parallel. Well done, writers. Well done. Yeah, and of course, Jack McBrayer as Badgie, I think, one of the great guest stars so far for Lower Decks. Wonderful character. This is, as like, I do not want to see the weird creature that's an amalgam of Fletcher's brain patterns and the isolinear core ever again. I, I don't want to, I want them to leave that alone forever. Badgie. I want them to bring back like at least once a season, like as a recurring character on the holodeck, who's going to create havoc or something. I think that would be great. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. I like it when he was then dying and you know, he's dying. Uh, uh, and then, you know, Oh, Badgie, Badgie. Oh no. And he's like, I'm, going to cut off your foot <laughs> you know, like he's still as he's dying talking and thinking about wanting to kill him you know poor rutherford <laughs> i really thought that that was so great that with his dying breath yes <laughs> he still wanted to kill rutherford. still wants to kill rutherford 
And then when Badgie reappears, when everything's reset and the holodeck's back to working normal again and safety protocols are back into place, he appears, hey, can I ask you? And they're like, ah, like, no, I'm, I think we're done with Badgie for a while. Yeah, I, I do like that the shirt that is from this episode, the Badgie does have a little bit of blood on him. Ooh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, he he looks he looks all happy and he, he looks he's like in the holodeck grid and he's got a little bit of blood down this side. Uh. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's my kind oh, of shirt. It. Well, the last thing that I really want to talk about with regards to this story, of course, is the sparks between Rutherford and Tendy that we're getting here. It's pretty clear how Rutherford feels about Tendy. As he says, she's just so cute. You know, <laughs> he's got a thing for Tendi for sure. I, I don't necessarily know that it's reciprocated yet in the same way. I think Tendi has a lot of respect and admiration for Rutherford, but I haven't seen anything necessarily from her that suggests that like she's totally into him in the same way but I, I think that can develop but uh, you know from the moment we get them stuck with their magnetic boots together and that they're you know a little close there a little awkward a little cute to yeah Rutherford saying to Badgie that like the reason I did this is just so cute I can't help it I got to protect her and, and, and yeah, I, I love what's going on in this evolution here. I think it's really sweet and I love those two together. They're so cute. <laughs> they are. They have the same enthusiasm. They have a lot in common. And now that Fletcher's out of the picture, maybe she'll notice Rutherford now. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Not that she had to think for Fletcher. I mean, who would? <laughs> well, who's that other guy that she she called a snack? I don't think we've seen him yet, but you know, maybe she's still she's still exploring her options a little bit out there. That's yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Well, the best relationships are built on friendships, so mm -hmm. absolutely. You know, they've already got a very strong foundation. I'm rooting for him. Excellent. Well, uh, yeah, there's uh, there's so much in this episode, some that I liked, some that I didn't like so much, but, you know, there's definitely a lot here. Uh, I, th I think the badgie stuff I'd love to see again, but uh, let's go around and just kind of maybe anything that we haven't brought up yet that you'd like to talk about and then your final thoughts and maybe a rating of some kind for this episode. So uh, let's start with uh, Brandy. After my first viewing, I was kind of like, what? And after the second viewing, I was, huh. And by the third viewing, I was, okay. So <laughs> that's kind of my process of have watching this episode. It improves upon rewatch. I still do not enjoy the Fletcher parts for reasons already mentioned. Uh, I actually thought that the, the Isolinear core monster was hilarious and I, I did say this on the live show last night. It's like, what if the Borg were dumb? That would be <laughs> that monster just assimilating everything in its path, but with no real purpose whatsoever. Just and that 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 creature is too dumb to survive. Let's be honest. <laughs> so it 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 will have gotten put out of its misery, or it would have accidentally killed itself by this point. You know. So I'm not too worried about saying that again. But uh, it's. It has some really great things in it and has some really great lines. And then it also has these things that just, again, remind me of things that were very, very difficult for me. 
So I give it three cutoff foots. <laughs> cutoff foots. <laughs> wow. Cutoff feet is what I meant to say, but foots, you know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's it's just it's kind of middle of the road. It's got things I really don't like and things I really do like, and so it ends up being kind of middle. But not that I hated it. I don't hate it. No, I would I would be there with you too. I mean, I enjoyed it. The thing is when these come out, they're out first thing when I wake up in the morning. So sometimes I watch them as soon as I wake up and I'm not even fully awake. So it does help to watch it a second time because afterwards I was like, wait, that whole core thing and badgie, were those like somehow went both evil because of the same thing? But they didn't. Not, no, not really. But I just like the humor in this. It was kind of fun it sounded like the voice actors especially even the guest actors were ha- really having a fun time with it and probably some things were even ad-libbed i'm assuming and uh i like when the fletcher core is attacking fletcher and he's like party party of dumbass you know and it just like little <laughs> lines like that you know i was liking and uh <laughs> badgie by Jack McBrayer. I mean, I love him as Kenneth on 30 Rock and other things that he's done in his stand-up. So just hearing his voice was kind of nice because like, oh, I always like him. And and just, I think this will be an episode that most people will not say is their favorite, especially as time goes on. It will be one of those episodes that most people don't think that much about, except for Badgie. I think Badgie is the standout character that we'll start to see as people use it as their emojis or, again, like on t-shirts and stuff. So... I would say that I give this episode three choo-choo-choos out of five choo-choo-choo-choo-choos. <laughs> wow. Wow, you went there. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Genius. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree with most of what's been said. I think uh, one of our commenters last night put it best. They said that this is probably not the most well-regarded episode of Lower Decks, but it may end up being the most quoted, which is kind of funny. Uh, there's there's a lot in here that is a lot of fun. Jack McBrayer knocks it out of the park with this. Was he Fix It Felix from from the uh, Wreck It Ralph movies? Yes, because yes, he was. He was. <laughs> I love how wholesome he is in that, and how evil he is here, and it's basically the same voice. <laughs> That's so great. That's why he's a genius. Honestly, is he can do it all, and he's known for a certain type of character, and so it's nice for him to uh to to expand and show that, that he can do other things. My final thoughts I would I would definitely say not my favorite story. I think probably my least favorite episode so far, but still a lot in here that I really like and you know, I I think I would have to give this one a rating of uh, assigning it to Starbase 80 because Damn, Starbase 80? I hope we get to visit. I'd like to see what that Starbase is all about. I at least want more references to Starbase 80. Like, I really want this to be a thing. I love, it's like, that guy in the background we talked a bit about last night, too. Damn, Starbase 80? (laughs) (laughs) Like, she went there? Oh, man. Uh, so yeah, I guess, uh, Brandy for those, you're going to join us for the flagship show as well. So don't worry. We're going to have more Brandy. We're going to talk to her about some of the stuff that uh, we learned on Star Trek day, but just in case for those people out there who may not be listening to the flagship show, who are just listening to the lower decks review show, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you and 
the cool and crazy Star Trek things you do online. <laughs> okay. Obviously, you are adorable for saying, don't worry, we're going to have more brandy, whereas you probably should say, I'm sorry, we're going to have more brandy. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm <laughs> not everyone's cup of tea. Yeah, I'm I am in far too many places. Uh, over on the Hollow Sweet Media Network, which you can find at hollowsweetmedia.com, I do three podcasts, all Star Trek, of course. The Vedic Assembly, which is about Deep Space Nine with my friends Liam and Nick. Boldly Go, a Star Trek Strange New Worlds podcast with my friend Suzanne Williamson. And What the Future Holds, a Star Trek Discovery podcast with my husband Dave. Finally got him into Trek podcasting, y'all. And uh, Christopher D. Littlefield. And it's they're all really fun shows in different ways, and I will not give any of them up. I also like Dan said, you can find me on the Unready Room on Friday nights at 7 p.m. Mountain. Figure it out for your time zone. I'm tired of catering to all of you. And, uh, you know, that is going to be on YouTube live at 7 p.m. Mountain Friday nights uh, on Kurt Ratz Productions YouTube channel, which is Dan's YouTube channel. And uh, I also do another live show because I just love live shows called Infinite Trek, which happens on Saturdays at noon Mountain Time on Twitch on the channel Outpost 13. It's just the word Outpost, the number 13. And that is released as an audio podcast on Tuesday on the Trek Geeks Network. And I do that with my friend Aaron Harvey. We're covering Lower Decks as well. He is like the authority on the original animated series. And he finds stuff in these episodes that blows my mind. So well done, Aaron. We're having a great time on that. Finally, I do two podcasts outside of Star Trek, a Dark Corner podcast with my husband, Dave, where we just talk about whatever fandom thing we feel like. And from a slightly darker perspective, that doesn't mean evil, you guys. And I also do Headcanon, which is a solo podcast, rambling trip through my brain and other fandoms. And sometimes you'll even get to hear about my most bizarre dreams. So you can find both of those at darkcornerpodcast.com. And that is it. I'm done. <laughs> awesome. And Bruce, where can people find you? I make things go. That's about it. Compared to what Brandy's doing, uh, I do this show. Oh, I'm going to be on the next, uh, the this week's Star Wars Report podcast, so you can check that out. I do that occasionally. I used to be on more often, but not as much now because I'm doing a lot on this show. And uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. Excellent. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. And also the Kurtrats Productions YouTube channel, which Brandy mentioned. And yeah, join us Friday nights for the live show in the Unready Room. That's always a lot of fun. Uh, and we appreciate more people coming to that and hearing us ramble on in our unready way about Star Trek and most recently the episodes of Lower Decks. So uh, yeah, and this podcast, you can find us on Twitter at Positively Trek. Email us with any thoughts you have, positivelytrek at gmail.com. And uh, you can also join our discussion group on Facebook. Just search Positively Trek on Facebook. We have both a page and the Positively Trek discussion group. Be sure to join both. Uh, there's great posts and great discussions happening there all the time. So thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next week for Much Ado About Boimler, Episode 7 of Lower Decks. But until then, stay positive. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? 
I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.